chapter 5 sai's disappearance and return to shirdi my wishes to sri ganesh to sri saraswati and to sri guru maharaj to the family deity to sita ramachandra my most humble obeisance i bow in reverence to the most venerable guru sri sainath now in continuation to the previous story listen to this account of how baba suddenly disappeared from shirdi only to reappear once again in the company of chand party how baba himself carried water to create a garden as also the meeting together of ganga gir and other saints listen to these stories which are sanctifying baba had first for a time disappeared but later it was in the marriage party of a muslim gentleman which came to shirdi that his jewel was discovered devidas however had already come to stay in shirdi before that later on came jankidas gosavi too live in shirdi how all these came about i shall now relate in detail be attentive o listeners as you will respectfully listen to this in dhukheda a village of the aurangabad district there was a muslim of great fortune by the name of shant patil while journeying to aurangabad he lost his mare and for two months he could not be traced no hope now of finding her so thought the patil completely dejected and felt very sorry and distressed for the loss of his mare finally he flung the saddle across the back and turned back to go his way leaving aurangabad behind he traveled around 9 miles there was a mango tree on the way under which he saw this gem among men a cap in his hand body covering covered by a kafni and a baton under the armpit even as he crushed some tobacco in the palm of his hand and filled his chilam that is a clay pipe a wonderful thing happened as sand patil was passing that way he heard the fakir calling out to him saying oh you come here smoke this chilam and then go come rest for a while under the shade the fakir then asked what is this saddle for and the patil replied i have lost my mare sir upon this he said go search around the rivulet and lo the mare was found immediately <clears throat> chan patil was astonished and said to himself truly i have met a sage there is no limit to the miraculous deeds how can he be called an ordinary human being he then returned with the mare and came back to the same place again the fakir made him sit by himself he picked up his own hands a pair of tongs there he thrust it in the soil in the same place and brought out a burning ember from within the soil he then placed it on the chilam in the hand and picked up the baton for there was no water to wet the strip of cloth covering the chilam so he struck the ground again with his baton and water began to flow out dipping the strip of cloth in water he then squeezed it out and then wound it round the chilam he spoke the chilam himself and made the patil smoke it too the patil was quite dazed seeing all this the fakir was then pressed to sanctify his home by the patil by paying him a visit the fakir who had come to this earth only for such divine leelas conferred the favor on him the next day he went to the village to stay with the patil and spent some time there later he came back to shirdi this chan patil was the headman of the village dhukheda and his wife's nephew was engaged to be married to a bride from shirdi the nephew of his wife had come to a marriageable age and had the good fortune of marrying a bride from shirdi so with the bullock carts and horses the marriage party set out to come to shirdi in due course and then baba drawn by his affection for chan bhai joined the party too the wedding over the marriage party returned from shirdi only baba remained behind he stayed back and then stayed on forever that marked the rise in shirdi's good fortune indestructible and ancient that sai is he is neither hindu nor muslim he has no caste no descent no family no gotra the state of self realization was the core of his being and sai sai 
that people called him. Is that his real name? No, indeed. Out of respect, he was first addressed as Welcome Sai, and that is how he got his name. It was on that day that Baba arrived with the marriage party in Mahasapati's yard near the Khandova temple that this happened. In the beginning, this yard was Bhagat Mahasapati's. Later, it belonged to Amin Bhai. The marriage party, as it arrived, got down in the same place under the banyan tree. The bullocks were all unyoked in the yard in the Khandova temple compound. And Baba too got down there with the marriage party along with all the others. As this youthful fakir alighted from the cart, it was Bhagat who first saw him and received him with the words, Welcome sign. From there onwards, that name became his proper name. Thereafter, people began to call him Sai Sai and the name came to be used commonly by all. He then smoked the chillam there in Mahasapati's yard and thereafter went to stay at the mosque. He quite enjoyed Devi Das's company. Altogether, he was happy in Shirdi. Sometimes he would sit in the Saudi, sometimes he would be in the company of Devi Das and sometimes he would sit in the Maruti temple. He would thus be engaged fondly wherever it pleased him. The word sign comes from Sindh, Pakistan. Now, Sindh is in Pakistan as of today. The word Sai is not there in, uh, in our uh, Hindu literature. Uh, most of the Sindhis, if you see, there, is, there are a couple of names over here where he was welcomed by a couple of people. You will find that Devidas, Janaki Das, these are names of mostly Sindhi people. And uh, Sindhis were... They had come to Mumbai and from there spread out all over Maharashtra. And that is the reason why when you welcome somebody, we say sign. It is not Sai also, it is sign. Sign. <laughs> so his name was sign, not Sai. Sai means sir, maybe that kind of a... It's a respectful way of talking to somebody. Welcome sign. Then this Devidas was already in Shirdi much earlier than the time Baba came there. Jankidas Gosavi of the Manmahanubhavi sect came to Shirdi thereafter. With this Jankidas, Maharaj would sit talking or Jankidas would go and sit wherever Maharaj might be. Both were very fond of each other's company and would have regular meetings. This their association with each other was a source of great pleasure to everyone. And so also one Ganga Gir, a householder and a very famous devotee of the Vaishnava sect from Puntambe used to visit Shirdi frequently. In the beginning, Gangagir used to be quite astonished in the mind to see science curry water from the well, holding earthen pitchers in both his hands. But later, when he met Sai face to face, Bua said very clearly and very quite emphatically, Blessed is Shirdi and very fortunate indeed to have a jewel among men associated with her. Today, he carries pitcher of water in his own shoulder, but there is no ordinary figure. It is by the great accumulated merit of the soil that he has come to this place. Similarly, one other well-known saint by the name of Anandnath had also predicted Baba's wonderful and divine leelas. This very famous Anandnath had set up a mutt at a village near Yola and the company of some residents of Shirdi, he came to Shirdi. Anandnath was the disciple of the great saint of Akkalkot. When he actually saw Sai, he explained, Oh, he is a diamond, a veritable diamond. Maybe today he lies neglected in a rubbish heap, yet he is undoubtedly a diamond and not a piece of flint. And remember, these are the words of Anandnath while Sai was yet of a tender age. Remember well these words of mine. Later on you will be reminded of them. Prophesizing thus, he then returned to Yola. 
Sai then used to allow his hair to grow and would not have his head shaved either. His dress used to be like a wrestler's when this Sai was in youth. Whenever he went to Rahata, he would always bring back with him saplings of marigold and jasmine and would plant them with his own hands in a desolate place and would also water them regularly. His devotee, Vaman Tatya, would supply him every day with two unbaked earthen pitchers for that purpose and Baba would water the plants with his own hands. From the stone vessel near the vessel, near the well, he would fill the pitchers and carry them on the shoulders and at sunset he would keep the pitchers under the neem tree. The moment they were placed there, they would crack on the spot on their own. The next morning, Tatya would bring him two new pitchers. When fully and properly baked, a pitcher is always better and lasts longer, but Baba would require only unbaked ones. Thus the potter was able to sell the pitchers without the labour of baking them in the furnace. For three years, this was the preoccupation in the open space. He raised a garden and in that space, in the same place, that today by lucky chance people are enjoying the convenience of a vada. And also in the same place under the neem tree, a devotee called Bhai had installed the Padukas, a Swami Samarth of Akalkot, for their devotees who wished to offer puja to Swami Samarth. Swami Samarth of Akalkot was Bhai's chosen deity and with great devotion, Bhai used to worship this photograph very regularly. Once he felt that he would go to Akkalkot to have a darshan of Swami's Padukas and offer a sincere puja with all attendant rituals to the Padukas. Uh, uh, there is Akkalkot is in Karnataka. It's at the border of Karnataka and Maharashtra. Swami Samarth is a saint from that particular place. Now Swami Samarth is also one of the gurus of Sai Baba, by the way. What? Swami Samarth used to sit under a tree. He is an avatar of Dattatre, as it is mentioned. And he would sit under an Audumbar tree. There is a very huge tree over there. And um, he is today, I mean, most of the people who go to Akkalkot will know that uh, there is, his Samadhi is there. Next to it is the tree. And next to it is, is one small place where they have all those, you know, satsangs and all those things. Now, it so happened that uh, I had a very strange experience over there. I, I just walked inside the temple one day and as I walked inside the temple, I was standing over there near the Samadhi and looking at it. Uh, nobody does anything near the Samadhi, absolutely nothing is done over there. There is a small picture of his kept over there with uh, one uh, silver uh, face of his and all that. So, while I was standing over there, somebody came and he picked up one uh, coconut from there and gave it to me in my hands. And uh, thereafter, I came out and uh, I was there for quite some time. After that, I came out and when I came out, there was this tree which everybody was touching because under the tree he would sit under one, there was one very huge stone and on top of it Baba, Baba used to sit, that is Swami Samarth used to sit over there. So when I was, when I came to this tree, everybody was crowding around it to get the darshan and touch the tree from that particular place. Well, I just stood behind the tree and I was able to touch it. And it's something that is believed that uh, that tree is always shown if you actually see a Dattatreya's photograph, anytime if you see a Dattatreya's photograph, there will be a tree 
there will always be a cow and there will be four dogs. If you see the photograph of Dathatra, you will always find this. So he will always be under this tree, which is called the Audumbar tree. There will be a cow that was given to him, incidentally. And uh, then there are four dogs. The four dogs are supposed to be the four Vedas. They are always at his feet. So I stood over there and I took the darshan and I came out. And there was another huge queue where people were giving all the nariyals that they were offering to this tree over there. They were giving it for breaking it. So I felt a little bit hungry. So what I did was I also stood in the queue. I remember I had won that nariyal from inside. So I, when my number came, I gave the nariyal to that person and I said, you know, please crack it and give it to me. He looks at me and he tells me, I'm sorry, I cannot <laughs> break this coconut. I asked him why. He says, this coconut is very special. You have to take it home and eat it. I told him, what do you mean by that? I don't want to take it home. <laughs> you have to eat. I want to eat it here only. So he says, no. This, you are, you are exclusive recipient of this from the Samadhi. Nobody goes to that place. I mean, nobody takes a coconut from there and you have got it today. So you are not supposed to use it over here, not even break it. So I was very morose and I just went at the side and I stood over there. I said that this is not fair. <laughs> I want to eat a coconut. So when I stood in the corner, after 2-3 minutes that person calls me and he says, come here. And then he removed an entire big coconut, cracked it open and removed all the pieces from inside and gave it to me. So I was, uh, I was just going away. He says, no, 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 you wait over here. Then he removed a very big glass. You know those lassi glasses that you get, very huge ones. He filled it up with the coconut water, a tender coconut water. It was really very nice, sweet. And then he says, you take this glass, you sit over there, you eat the coconut and drink this water. And uh, that's what happened over there. And he gave me this coconut and this water. And actually I had gone over there because I was leaving and going. And when the coconut was given and I was told specifically that you cannot go, you have to go home. With this coconut you go home. I had no choice. So I came back. So this is the story of the coconut and this is what happened in that place. So, <clears throat> so Swami Samar's Samar, Akkargot he has got this Padukas. Uh, there was one other place where uh, in Mumbai, one day I was just going down to Mahalakshmi temple. There is a very famous temple called Mahalakshmi temple. So I was just walking down that road and I told Kalpana, I said, there is somewhere over here in this area is this, te- is this place where, uh, uh, you know, this Akkalkot Swami's Padukas or something like that is there. Let us see. So finally we walked down to a place very close to the temple and we came to this house. Now it's a very private house, it's a facing, it's a sea facing house. So we just walked inside the house, there was a big ceremony going on and then they finally uh, took us to this place where they have kept this paduka. You know how, how big are those paduka? <laughs> they are so small. They are called Atmalinga paduka. Atmalinga paduka are removed from the mouth 
so the sage he will remove some things from his mouth so those are those very tiny padukas so those people showed us that so here is the same thing so there are padukas of in shildi if you go you will find them there hmm? but those are not atmalinga those are the big ones once he felt that he should go to akko to have a darshan of swami's padukas and offer a sincere puja with the attendance rituals of the padukas that is bhai had suppose so he made all the necessary preparations to leave for akkalkot from mumbai and he was just about to leave on the very next day when he had to abandon his resolve and instead he found himself on his way to shirdi even as he was all set to leave the next day he had a dream on the previous night in which swami samarth exhorted him saying at the men, at the moment my stay is in shirdi so you will leave for shirdi such being the command bhai obeyed it with great reverence and left bombay for shirdi where he stayed on for 6 months in great peace and happiness bhai being steadfast in his faith installed the padukas of swami samarth under the neem tree to commemorate the vision that he had in his dream sometimes we get these uh, dreams which are basically telling you a lot of things especially when the saints and the sages and the divine being come and they tell you something you you should follow it whatever that they have commanded you because it's very very important In the year 1912 in the month of Shravan during the bright half of the month moon which was also the auspicious parvakal he installed the padukas under the neem tree very lovingly with puja bhajan etc on an auspicious day the installation was performed at the hands of dada kekar and under the directions of upasani with all the rit- rites and rituals prescribed by the shastras the arrangement for the day daily worship of the padukas was entrusted to a brahmin named dikshit while sagun nayak look after the overall arrangements such is the tale of the padukas this is how these saints the true incarnations of god without attachments and desires appear on the earth for their selfless mission of uplifting the world a few days later a very astonishing incident took place which is when the listeners hear attentively he will surprise them too mohitan bhai a seller of betel leaf arekana tab tabacco etc and baba had some dispute between them which flared up resulting in the bout of wrestling both fighting each other fiercely both were skilled wrestlers but mere physical prowess cannot prevail against destiny so that moyuddin became very powerful and baba his strength being unequal to his opponent was defeated from then onwards baba's mind was made up he changed his entire dress he started wearing the long kafni a langot and a piece of cloth tied round his head of the gunny bag he made his seat and the gunny bag served as a bedding too he found contentment even in the rags that he wore incidentally if you remember he he was re- he was dressed when he came to shirdi he was dressed in the garb of a wrestler if you recollect that was what was mentioned after his fight with moyuddin he changed over to kafni by the way the word kafni means something that you put on a dead body kafan ke upar pehnane ki cheez kafni understood so it is it's a cloth which is to be put on a dead body so it's it's like a long, long cloth and you just put it on top of your head and when you put it on the dead body it's like a white white cloth is there isn't it that is called kafni poverty holds the highest sovereignty a thousand times greater than the grandeur of the nobleman 
Allah befriend the poor. So would Sai say always. Gangagir would also be in the same position once. Fond as he was of wrestling once, when he was engaged in that sport, he suddenly grew wary of it, wanting to renounce it. As the opportune moment came, the words of Siddha came to his ears. This body should rather wear itself out in sporting with God. These words of grace fell on the ears even as he was engaged in wrestling. He renounced the world and took to the spiritual path. His mutt is on the isle situated between the twin streams of the river Godavari near Puntambe and there his disciples too eager to serve him. At that time went by, Sainath would only answer the questions put to him and would never talk to anyone on his own accord. During the day, he would be seated under the neem tree. Sometimes he would sit in the shade on the horizontal branch of the babul tree that grew up the stream at the village boundary. Sometimes when it pleased him, Baba would wander off an afternoon in the vicinity of Nimgaon, a mile or so away from Shirdi. The famous Trembak Dengale was a Jahagirdar of Nimgaon and Baba Sahib was a de- descendant of his. Baba was very fond of Baba Sahib. Whenever Baba took a round of Nimgaon, he would go to the house and would love to spend a day talking to him. He had a younger brother, Nana Sahib by name, who had no son due to which he would always feel sad at heart. The first wife had dim chances of getting one, so he married a second time. But no one could escape the decree of fate. Mysterious are the ways of destiny. Then Baba Sahib sent him for Sai's darshan, and by his blessing, a son was born to Nana. Thereafter, Sai's fame began to grow and large number of people thronged Shirdi for Sai's darshan. The news reached Ahmednagar, which is a distinct play, district place. In Ahmednagar, Nana used to move much in the government circles and was influential with the officials, amongst whom he was also Chidambar Keshav, who was the secretary of the district collector. Nana wrote to him a letter saying that he should visit Shirdi with his wife, children and friends for the darshan of Sai Samarth. The visit, he said, was worthwhile. In this way, many began to come to Shirdi, one after the other, as Baba's fame began to spread and the ranks of his followers swelled. Though Baba need no company, during the day he would be surrounded by his devotees. After sunset, however, he would sleep in the dilapidated mosque in Shirdi. Chillam tobacco and a tumbler was constantly by his side. We used to say, tumbler means, uh, in Marathi they say, tamrel. (laughs) <laughs> Tamrel is the same which even uh, uh, you know Ram Krishna Paramahansa also used to carry one Tamrel with him. You use it for going to the loo. <laughs> In ancient times you had to go to the jungles or to the such places. So that Tamrel, if you see the old photograph which is there in my house also, you will find him wearing that uh, you know kafni and one Tamrel is in his hands. By the way, he would go around with that in the village and anything that came, he would put it in that. Okay. Earlier, there used to be this uh, white color, you know, I I don't know what it is called. Um, uh, it's, it's a, I don't know what exactly it is called, but I, I when I remember it, I'll tell you. So, so he would go with that. Hmm. Hmm. So, Chillam tobacco in Tumblr, that is that Tumblr. He would tie around his head that piece of clean white cloth taken from the left ear and twist it fi- firmly with the matted hair of a Gosavi to form a shapely headgear. Covering himself with such clothes, he would sometimes go with a bra- without a bra- bath even for eight days at a stretch. Barefoot, he walked and used only a gunny bag for a seat. 
This piece of sackcloth was thus his seek always. The comfort of a cushion he knew not and found contentment in whatever he had. Gunny bag. That is something which people used to sleep. I also used to sleep once upon a time on a gunny bag. It's uh, it's very thick and nice in the afternoons if you sleep on that. So that is the thick cloth. And uh, incidentally, the white clothes that we see on Baba, most of the people, those who are the followers of Tantra, when they visit the burial grounds, this white cloth is left behind from the dead body. Okay? And uh, that is what they use for wearing it. So, this will tell you how humble and how simple Baba was. Most of these Vairagis who are there, who go to the burial ground during the night and all that, they do the puja and the sadhanas over there. They, they don't mostly have any clothes or anything to wear, so this is what they use. That old worn-out sackcloth was his favorite seat, which was forever in that place, day in and day out. That was also there for a seat and as a covering. He wore a coffin and no other sheet or covering. Coffin is a long, long goat office. Okay? I don't know whether you know about that. To ward of cold, there was a dhuni, of course. Facing the south with the left hand resting on the railing, Baba would sit on the sackcloth in the mosque, gazing into the dhuni in front of him. You know, in spirit, in our uh, normal world, everybody will tell you, never face the south and sit. If you go to any astrologer, the first thing that he will say, don't face the south. You always face the north or you face the east or you can face the west. These three, but never face the south. In Baba's world, everything was turned upside down. He would say, no, you face the south and that is... He would avoid doing these kind of things. He would tell point blank on the face, don't bother about all these things. So he was facing the south when he used to sit. <coughs> he seemed to be offering into the dhuni oblations of the ego along with the desires and the various affections of the mind in fact all the temptations of the worldly life by various wiles and ways that raging fire in the dhuni he fed with logs and conceited knowledge and raised the banner of Allah by chanting Allah Malik ceaselessly and just how spacious was this mosque it was but a space included between two cross beams in which he lived, sat, moved about, met everybody and slept. It was a very tiny place by the way. The mattress, the cushions, they have all come now when the devotees have gathered around him. But in the beginning the devotees could not go near him without fear. For the year 1912 everything changed. It was from that year that the transformation of the mosque really began. Where there was a knee deep pit and holes in the ground in the mosque, it was paved overnight with Shahabadi stones. That is in Shahabad is uh, here, north of Karnataka near Andhra borders. The Shahabadi stones. And the strength of the devotee's love, love of labor, labor of love. Before he came to stay at the mosque, Baba used to live in the Takiya or the resting place of the Fakirs. Takiya is a small place in front of this mosque, by the way. A very tiny place where all these people will go and stay in that place. You know, most of these Fakirs that come. He spent a long time there and was quite happy. It was there in the Takiya that he used to tie Gunguru, 
jingling bells around his ankles and dance gracefully to the beat of the tambourine he would also sing melodiously in the early days sai samarth was very fond of lighting up the lamps and would himself go and ask the shopkeepers for oil or to light them now just a small background for you uh the word sai came from sindh as i told you if you remember now in in sindh the sages most of the sages over there were not hindus neither they were muslims they called themselves sufi sufi means cotton suf white cotton they used to always wear white clothes if you have ever seen a sufi the sufi does what is called a, a dance which is whirling round and he does a very peculiar kind of a dancing movement and if you google whirling dervishes whirling dervishes you will see the sufis dance sometimes they wear different kinds of garbs you know they have in their eyes they will put kajals and surma as they call them the surma is there then they have these various kinds of things which they will wear sometimes they will wear a topi a different kind of a topi which is there these are basically pointed stuffs and they do a whirling dance the whirling dance puts them in a very peculiar state of mind because it becomes a no mind state for them and that is the way they are able to reach the state of emancipation they are able to reach the higher levels of consciousness sai baba was also a sufi saint but all hindus will say he is a hindu saint all muslims will say he is a muslim saint and so on and so forth the teachings of his were pure sufi and if you if you look at his avatar wearing white clothes doing this kind of a dance okay you will come to know that he was basically a sufi saint and if you ever seen a sufi move around you know uh, he will be having those various kinds of uh, you know long uh, you know kya kehte hain usko chains and stuff like that they have all over the place uh if you go to i mean uh, one of i have a very good sufi saint as one of my very good friends some day if i get a chance and if he comes to bangalore i will introduce you to him so he is a very good sufi saint and uh, if you look at him you will get a shock of your life because of the <laughs> various things that he keeps on wearing so that is how he is so sufis they do this In the early days Sai Samarth was very fond of lighting up the lamps and he would himself go and ask the shopkeepers for oil to light them tumbler in hand he would himself ask for oil at the grocer's shop and fill it with earthen lamps he would then burn the lamps bright in the temple and in the mosque this went on continuously for some days he was very fond of worshiping the lamps and would celebrate Diwali the festival of lights strips of cloth he would twist to form wicks and burn light in the mosque as for the oil he used to bring it freely every day once all the grocers conspired against him thinking how enough now enough of this daily wearsome nuisance later when baba came to ask for oil as it was his daily practice and all of them refused what an amazing thing happened without a word baba turned back placed the dry wicks in the earthen lamps the grocers were watching this amusement as to what he would do without oil baba picked up the tumbler from the parapet of the mosque in it there was a just a drop or two of oil 
which was barely sufficient even to light an evening lamp. He then poured water in that oil and drank it all up. Offering it this way to the god, he then took pure water. This he poured into the earthen lamps to wet the bricks and lighting them up showed how the lamps could burn brightly. Seeing the water thus kindled into a flame, the grocers were astounded and said to themselves that it was not a good thing that they lied to Baba. Without a trace of oil, the lamps burned all night and everybody began to say that the grocers did not deserve size grace. Oh, what a marvelous power powers Baba has, said the grocers and repeated that they had not only sinned by their falsehood but needlessly enraged Baba. However, being beyond anger and hatred, all this was furthest from Baba's thought. He has no enemy and no friend. To him all creatures are equal. And this is something which you have to understand. See, even if these grocers had treated him like a pariah, like a dog on the streets and not given him by telling lies, it doesn't affect Baba because for him everything is one and the same. You can give hajar galis to him or you can say praises to him, they all mean nothing to him. So that is the reason why there is neither anger nor hatred in Baba. He will never have anger, neither will he have hatred for anybody. So, there is no enemy and no friend also. For him everything is one and the same. For him everything is full of love alone. If you see, again when, when I was talking about Sufism, the main theme of Sufism is love only. They only pray for love. That's it. In their world, there is nothing beyond that. There is nothing before that and after that. Only love. That is all that they pray for. And Sufism is based only on that. Certain parts of the Guru Granth Sahib contains some of their teachings, by the way. Guru Granth Sahib was written and the sage who has written it, Guru Nanak, if you go to the Himalayas, there is a one particular place, there is one particular uh, uh, kund where he had sat and done a lot of meditation and so on and so forth. And that is a place where he got his emancipation, him kund sahib, you are right about it. So that is a place which is very, very auspicious and a holy place in the Himalayas. So anybody who has the chance should go and visit that place. It's a wonderful place. Again, another thing about Guru Nanak is his guru was literally the guru of another person. You know? And that person is Mirabai. I'm sure you have heard of her guru. His name was Santaraidas. He was a very, very beautiful saint. And what was he? He was a cobbler. Cobbler by profession. Think about it. He is, yes, he is, he is hammering the dead skin of the animal full day. Think about it. He is sitting over there hammering that and in front of him, this beautiful lady from the royal family of Rajasthan is sitting and listening to the words of her Guru. Think about it. Such a wonderful experience. Imagine this lady, Mirabai. She was a vegetarian 
and sitting here bang in front of somebody who is hammering away to glory this skin which was stinking by the way because they used to use tannins over there for tanning that skin and then you have to hammer it and make it flat and he is sitting over there and doing that and she is listening to the beautiful words of her guru how wonderful that must have been so anyway we have gone very far so let us come back to this and now let us continue with the tale where we left off moyuddin's triumph for baba in wrestling now listen carefully to the story that follows in the fifth year after the wrestling incident a fakir jawahar ali by name who was a resident of ahmednagar came to rahata along with his disciples choosing an open space near the veerabhadra temple the fakir set up his camp there but the fakir was really very fortunate had he not been so how would he have such a famous and a, deci- a delightful disciple as sai there were many people in the village of whom quite a few were marathas among them was bhagu sadafal who became his attendant the fakir was very learned the qurane sharif was at the tip of his fingers many people some selfish some spiritual and some pious and faithful became his followers he began constructing an idgah some time went by but he was then accused of defiling the temple of virabhadra then the construction work of the idgah came to a halt and the fakir was driven out of the village from there he came to shirdi and stayed with baba in the mosque the fakir was a sweet talker the whole village adored him and people said that he had cast a spell on baba too and charmed him completely you are my disciple he said to baba and baba with his playful disposition assented the fakir was delighted and took baba out of shirdi with an eminent disciple like baba jawahar ali became the guru and then they both decided to go and live in rahata the guru did not know his disciple's marvelous ways but the disciple knew the guru's shortcomings but never did the disciple show disrespect thereby observing the duties of a good disciple whatever command came from the guru's mouth whether proper or improper was obeyed no sooner it was given and he even carried water in the guru's abode thus the day passed in the service of the guru but then it so happened that he would come to shirdi only once in a while when this happened just listen to what followed this began happening repeatedly and in fact he now stayed at rahata for most of the time the people started feeling feeling that baba was bewitched by the fakir and was almost lost to shirdi whereas people thought that it was by his yogic powers that jawahar ali had bound sai to himself baba's plan was altogether different it was his way of destroying the ego and yet how could sai have an ego or conceit so the listeners will naturally reason but then such conduct was for the good of the people which was also the mission of his life but the villagers of Sh- villagers of shirdi were baba's loving devotees and had great affection for him staying away from baba in this way quite appeared quite improper to them the villagers were greatly agitated in their minds to see sai so much in power of jawahar jawahar ali and they were were in serious thought as to how he would be won back as gold and his luster as lamp and its light so was the inseparable state of his guru and the disciple and they both had the experience of oneness a group of devotees from shirdi then went to the idgah at rahata and made plans in their minds how they would try very hard, very hard and would then return all together bringing baba back with them but baba took a stand quite to the contrary this fakir is very hot tempered he said do not try to persuade him for he will never let go of me 
You now get out of here quickly, for he will return from the village presently. So terrible is his wrath that he will make a clean work of you all. His anger is very fierce and will turn him red in the face. Go, go, be gone instantly and take the road straight to Shirdi. What should be done next, they thought, for Baba speaks contrary to all, all expectations. Meanwhile, the fakir came back quite unexpectedly and began to ask them, So, have you come here for this lad? What are you discussing? If your intention is to take him back with you, you might as well not take the trouble. It will be in vain. Though he was quite so emphatically at the outset, in the end, even he yielded to the pressure of the villagers and said, Take me also with you. We will all take the boy with us to Shirdi. Thus the fakir came back with them too. He could not bear to part from Baba and even Baba could not let him go. How was this possible? Was something no one could understand. Sai was Brahma incarnate while Jawahar Ali was full of misconceptions. When he put to test by Devidas in Shirdi, all these misconceptions exploded. Devidas had a beautiful figure, lustrous eyes and a handsome face. He was only 10 or 11 years old when he first came to Shirdi. Such was this Gosavi of tender years with only a langot around his loins, who had at that time put on the Maruti temple. Appa Bhil and Mahasapati frequently visited him. Kashi Ram and others provided him with food, grains, fuel, etc. He gradually gained in importance. Twelve years before Baba came with the marriage party, Devidas had also come to Shain Siddhi. He taught Appa Bhil to write on slate and made everyone recite Venkatesh Stotra, which he had taught and which they knew by heart. He conducted these lessons regularly. Devidas was highly enlightened. Tatyabha made him his guru and Kashinath and others became his chief disciple and followers. The fakir was brought before Devidas, who engaged him in a religious debate. With his ascetic powers, Devidas totally vanquished the fakir, who was then driven away from Shirdi. As he escaped from Shirdi, the fakir went and stayed at Vaijapur. Years later, he came to Shirdi and bowed humbly before Sainath. All his misconceptions about himself being the Guru and Sai his disciple was dispelled and by repentance he was purified. Baba also accepted him with respect as before. Such was Baba's inscrutable ways. This issue got resolved when the proper time came but till then Baba honoured the Guru-Shishya relationship. If he considered himself the Guru, it was entirely his responsibility. But as a disciple, Baba knew and performed his duties perfectly. This is the moral of the story which Sainath himself puts it into practice. There is no better state than the one should completely surrender to one's guru or that one should totally accept the disciple as his one's own. Without this relationship, one cannot cross the ocean of worldly life. This is one lesson of this story. But rare indeed is the man who will be daring enough to firmly resolve to shed his ego and conquer the fortress of the egoless state. Here, ingenious speculation of one's intellect are of no avail. He who wants to attain the highest good must conduct himself without conceit or ego. He who has burned out the conceit of his physical body is the one who will find fulfillment in this human birth. And to attain salvation, he will then accept the discipleship of anyone. Seeing that desireless state in so young and comely a figure, all the people, both good, great and small, were struck with amazement and wonder. The bodily function of a realized soul works out according to his past karma, but he is not burdened by the prarabdha karma, for he is no longer the doer of action. Just as the sun cannot remain in darkness, 
so also the man of enlightenment cannot remain in a state of duality for the entire universe is his own self and he dwells in advait that is non duality this conduct as guru and disciple has been narrated in detail as described by mahalsapati the great devotee of saina but now let this story be the next one is even more profound and will be related in its proper sequence be attentive while you listen to it what was the condition of the mosque earlier and with what toil it was paved how no one knew for certain whether sai was a hindu or a muslim baba's yogic practices such as dhoti pothi and khand yoga and how he put, took upon himself the karmic sufferings of the devotees all this will be narrated in a proper manner without omission later on hemant surrenders to sai in all humility this narration of the story is his prasad or grace by merely listening to this sacred story all the sins will be destroyed will be to all here ends the fifth chapter of sri sai samar satchit called the appearance of sri sai in shirdi as inspired by the saints and the virtuous and composed by the devotee hemad pan hmm so there were a number of names which were taken over here one of the names was upasani maharaj i don't know whether you noticed it there was a name which said upasani upasani maharaj was the successor actually of sai baba but he went away from there before he could be anointed and set up an ashram a couple of miles away from there those who have visited with me to meet swami riyananda Uh, i'm sure those who have come with me to visit swami riyananda now it so happened that swami riyananda in the year 1969 one day was sleeping in his bed he was woken up early in the morning at 3:34 o'clock a person was knocking on his door so riyananda swami opened the door and walked out to see this man standing over there and he said that i want you to do chandipat today early in the morning now riyananda swami was a vice chancellor of a university now being a vice chancellor of a university you don't expect him to do any of those kind of things and he is a double phd by the way for your very kind information so what happened was this person said you come and do the puja so it so happened that when he came out riyananda swami told him this gentleman that i'm sorry uh, i don't have the sahitya or the samagri that is required he says don't worry i have brought everything with me together so we sit outside your house it's like an old type of a place you know how these uh, quarters are outside the quarters and he sat over there and there for 2 3 hours he performed this chandi part over there finally early in the morning the gentleman said thank you he said i was instructed to tell you to do this and then he walked away this person was upasani maharaj and upasani maharaj had died in the year 1959 10 years later swami riyananda met him so 
if you look at this story you will be surprised to know how can somebody who was dead can come some something like this and do what is necessary so those who have come with me to this place to meet swami riyananda if you have seen that there is a, a mandir next to it next to his ashram and in that ashram there is a very beautiful statue is over there and that is chandima's statue so and this is just one of the stories that i could think of when upasni's name came over there so this is how sages help each other during their sojourn when they are here and you will find that even the person who came and called sai baba his devotee or rather a disciple sai baba was humble enough to accept it there is another story uh, which uh, where the disciple he goes to this great sage and says that i have come here to learn vedanta from you and this person keeps on teaching vedanta to this young disciple of his this disciple is so smart that he is able to grasp everything and he starts becoming more powerful and stronger than the teacher and when that starts happening the teacher gets very angry he says how can he do like this so he instructs four other disciples to kill this boy unfortunately that young boy was shankaracharya and shankaracharya as you know is one of the greatest sages that was born in india so finally it turns out that this same guru then comes falls at the feet of his great shishya shankaracharya and becomes his disciple so here again another beautiful story where you will find that the guru becomes a disciple and the disciple becomes a guru so this is it's a very beautiful story over here also so is there any questions hmm? padma is not there oh uh, she's left huh no no she's there so is there any questions from anybody no oh camera has a problem <laughs> okay uh, yeah senthil you are saying something see when yeah the reason is simply this when you look at a saint when you look at the guru you are actually looking at a physical form or a body of that person correct a body is basically like a loudspeaker <laughs> you understand the main unit is somewhere else isn't it you know in olden times we had this record players and the loudspeaker was somewhere outside okay so basically the body is nothing but a vehicle it's nothing but a small unit which is talking about something the words are coming out from there but actually the divine being is not the body not the body at all the body is holy no doubt about it that's why today we go to shirdi and we pray to the samadhi considering that the body was there 
but the body is just an extension is basically like an extension you know of that being this divine being is god almighty himself so he doesn't need specifically that body or that vehicle to say something to somebody so you will find that sages of a very high order they can use any kind of communication that is required all kinds of communications you will find that the communication can come in the form of another person coming and telling you something it can come in the form of a dream it can come in the form of a mail it can come in the form of a letter incidentally um, three years in a row three years in a row i personally received and now you will wonder how can that be you know today's day and age think about it somebody has to write a message correct somebody has to receive it so there is always a person who writes it and a person who received it and then there is the company in between i have received so many messages in my phone which have physically not been written by people i know that sounds very very strange to people but because the person who is supposed to have written the message i have asked the person so your from your phone i got this message i know this message is not sent by you that much i know and the person has looked at me blankly and said i'm sorry i i don't think i have sent this kind of a message to you and i have a string of messages which i have received through the modern media so now think about it how can this kind of a thing happen sometimes we get a mail sometimes a message sometimes somebody comes and tells us something sometimes we get a picture sometimes an image sometimes a photograph something like that raj will tell you something very strange also you know there was uh, in we were in dakshineshwar and nobody is allowed to take the camera inside and take photographs now this smart girl what she does is she keeps me in front like this i'm a big fat fellow she covers me up removes her camera and takes a photograph <laughs> that's a photograph which you can see in the facebook okay and suddenly after some time that fellow comes and hey what are you doing <laughs> so she quietly she gives the camera away now this photograph she went and she uh, uploaded it in the system and that one day when i was just sitting and looking at the photographs i told her this photograph is looking very hazy so she looks at it and starts crying saying that oh my god this is the image of the kalima that was there now you tell me how is that possible how can an image of some other deity which is not even there in front appear in the photograph so this is something which is very strange so there is physical you know physically the person may not give you a message will not tell you something but it can come in any format in any which way there are many people over here who have got messages okay in dreams they have been told over here what they are supposed to do and what they are not supposed to do including their studies including their examinations including things like very strange things have so this kind of messaging 
which physical body need not give because we look at a physical body and think that that divine being is in that body no there is nothing like that it is just an interface like you have in computer an interface the interface is not the main computer the interface is an interface it's just where you see something or you hear something that's it so that's it okay padma has written uh, guru becoming shishya and vaisa vasa is this also a leela see what happens is people like sai baba or people like uh, one more name which i had taken adi shankaracharya these are avatari purush avatars avatars means they are very great uh, beings physically they have taken up a body they take up a body now in their case like sri krishna now sri krishna or uh, is he in the last chapter we did this thing sri krishna or sri ram is an avatar of the lord himself naturally you will find that they require a guru so the guru is always required needed vashishta muni was a guru same way sandipani is a guru sandipani later on many years later now guru dakshina has to be given to the guru so naturally krishna sri krishna and balaram they go to their guru and they ask him guruji what is it that we can offer you and his wife is sitting over there she says you know i lost my son many many years ago i know who you are can you get my son back so sri krishna along with balram goes and searches into the nether worlds for their son and brings the son back and gives it to sandipani now think about it krishna is the supreme consciousness so in the earlier stages you can say sandipani was the guru because sri krishna had to go towards his destination later on sri krishna is the world guru jagat guru as we call him so like that it happens and it is definitely a leela a leela is something which the lord himself does so you will find that the lord appears as a human sometimes appears as a shishya and later on he is the one who takes the kajals and becomes the jagat guru or the sad guru in this world so that is how the role change can also happen you will find another story in chaitanya mahaprabhu also chaitanya mahaprabhu goes to learn under a very great sage and later on the sage becomes his disciple and this story is there and chaitanya as you know is the avatar of sri krishna so this kind of things also do happen theek hai any more questions no huh then i'll take your leave you have a very good evening or a good morning take care of yourself bye and anybody who has questions you can write it to me i'll reply okay oh you have a question okay okay tell me no rest of you if you want to go you can go <laughs> because you must be getting late for work or something it's already 6:30 now monday we will be doing the regularly isn't it yeah yeah uh, padma where are you 
would sai baba be uh, have been the same if he had a family uh, have been the same if he had a family and a child now most of the most of the gurus you will find that they sometimes had a family unperturbed by prarabdha no if you consider the sage as taking up a body sai baba's birth is not known where he came from also nobody knows and that is the reason why you will find that there is no you know idea where and how the whole thing happened but like uh, let us say for example like uh, ramkrishna parmahansa if he takes up a body then definitely the wife will be there if there are children also if some other sage would have a children you will find that there are many sages with children as well a kabir definitely if you remember kabir had children and there is a beautiful story where the head got cut off of the child if you remember it's a very beautiful story now kabir had wife and children tukaram maharaj had wife and children so yes you can have ah uh, you can, <laughs> no 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 there is nothing like a greater effort or a lesser effort there is nothing like that everybody comes with a purpose the efforts are not important it is the purpose that is important why did kabir come for what reason why did ram krishna come for what reason why did sai baba come for what reason the reason is very very important so if anybody comes like say for example chaitanya mahaprabhu what is that verse 160 in what the bodily functions of a realized soul work out according to past karma but he is not burdened by the prarabdha karma for he is no longer the doer of action prarabdha karma becomes zero or for that matter there is neither sanchit nor agami for a sage the one who has crossed the state of realization he has over he has become a self realized being there is no prarabdha left for him also he can at that given moment in time take a samadhi he can take a samadhi right there itself the moment you reach the state of realization there is neither the prarabdha there is nor the sanchit nor the agami nothing 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 is there even if there is a residual karma that may be there let us let us assume that there is a residual karma the karma is basically living with his wife living with his family living with his children and so on and so forth. it could be residual that also even if he at that given moment in time if he goes away if you remember the st- uh, the story of uh, adi shankaracharya where his mother he wants to go away but his mother doesn't allow him so finally in the end there is a residual karma the residual karma is he promises his mother i'm going to come back and i'm going to give you that moksha you know give you that kind of a so he comes back he comes back all the way by the way he is already dead by the time he was 16 he was already dead but he has come back so that kind of residual karma can also be taken care of and charged with again chaitanya mahaprabhu has promised his mother 
If you read Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's story, he has promised his mother that I am going to come back and I am going to take you with me. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also after attaining the state of realization after becoming who he is, he comes back to his village, Mayapur, takes his mother with him. That is also there. So that the karma as far as prarabdha and things like that are concerned, that has no value once you have reached the state of liberation or realization. Thank you. Take care. Have a very good evening.